Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, ladies and gents. We are back. A very warm welcome to the Fallout Bar. Night number 10. The darts is back. Festivities are over, but the party does not stop at the Alexandra Palace. Uh, myself, Jack Ovigawa, joined by the lad that wishes he was from the Northeast, Charlie, and Mr. Cam McFarlane as well, sporting his, his Fallon Sheriff jumper tonight. He must be missing her already, Cam. Yeah, that's it, mate. It's just it's been too long since she's been on, so I thought I'd just bring a bit of pink back to the show. Go on, Charlie, respond. Go on. Nibble. Not gonna I'm not gonna nibble. I'm <laughs> so glad you agreed to this last minute, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> of course, of course. Charlie's uh, connection just dropped out. <laughs> how convenient. As if mine looking like it's been shot on a potato isn't helping enough. Uh, but we carry on. I'm back in Oxford. I'll be back in Nottingham tomorrow, but I'm moving house. So Lee will be hosting tomorrow night's show. And then hopefully we're all set for the rest of the week. Uh, a big hello to everybody in the chat room. I'm going to try and flash up as many comments as possible tonight, um, but bear with me because I'm obviously working on a smaller machine. Um, so we will just crack on with the show, I think, boys. First of all, uh, normally we'll, we'll go in show or, or running order, but I think there's some big news to talk about before we get underway with the rest of the darts. It would have been match number four today, the first session of the evening session, but uh, Vincent van der Voort has withdrawn from the tournament following uh, the fact he returned a positive COVID-19 test. Uh, as a result, James Wade has received a bye to the last 16. Um, and if anything sums up James Wade's career, he's into the last 16, having played one game and averaged 83. Is that not the most wading thing you've ever seen, Charlie? It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> he must be feeling pretty good about his tournament so far, to be honest, because his draw is quite favourable for him. But that was going to be a tough game for him. So it's a shame to see someone drop out because of COVID, but it just sort of confirms that it's still there and um, it's still having a, a say on what we do. It's just a shame that someone's had to sort of ha had their tournament ruined by it, really. And, and they've had to sort of go without giving a chance of, of putting up a fight or potentially getting through to the next round. 
It is indeed. And I suppose, Cam, uh, first of all, we need to, to say get well soon to Vincent van der Voort. But now there is the very realistic fear that this might not be the only case of a player having to leave the tournament because of COVID-19. Yeah, I think that's the thing. First of all, yeah, hopefully he's, he's not having it too bad. Hopefully he's got it similar to how I've had it over the last week or so. That It's a bit of a bad cold. It's not what, not even that, I wouldn't say. And it, it's been all right. But obviously some people get it a lot worse. So hopefully Vinny's all right, first of all. I was really looking forward to that game tonight. I thought it could have been one of, one of the better games of the day as well. Um, so, yeah, unfortunate for him. It does give you the little worry that we know that the Dutch boys are quite close and they tend to practice quite a lot, especially over, over Christmas when they're all staying over here. So apparently so far they've all tested negative and they're all double jabbed. So we're all, we've are we got no worries just yet. But hopefully this is the last case we get of it and that we can see the rest of the tournament run out as it should. Yeah, they have indeed. We, we've asked for, for clarification on that because obviously that photo has been doing the rounds on social media. Uh, all the players uh, that may have been in contact with Vincent van der Voort have tested negative. They followed all of the protocols and Marco van Gogh will be retesting ahead of his game tomorrow. Obviously, Dirk van Dijven Voda played earlier today. Um, but like I said, Marco van Gogh will be retesting tomorrow. All the protocols have been followed. Nobody has, has broken any rules um, and they will continue to monitor the situation as it keeps evolving. Um, and with that, boys, let's start looking at the data in action um and charlie we were talking about it on air, uh, well off air before we started the show that the smith treble uh that we predicted a couple of days ago was very much on for a large part of this game uh ross smith three nil up against Dirk van divenboda but he loses four three to the big dutchman who was he just flicked a switch i'm still surprised that ross smith hasn't got through to be honest um, at the time of watching the game, when he was three 0 up, I thought this is this is it. He's dead and buried now. And to be honest, he he was he was he was out playing um, and then but the, the scoring was there. But as soon as he flicked that switch to go th- and win and win three one and stay in the game, that was it. He was just it, it was incredible just the way that he turned his game around. And that's what we've become accustomed to seeing from Dirk. He's, He's so once he gets his scoring right and his and his um, one eighty hitting is is phenomenal. So you know it's just such a shame that Ross Smith couldn't hold out and and get the win. But we've seen comebacks throughout this World Championship, and rather than Dirk getting level and then losing, he's gone one better and and got over the line. Yeah, Cam, and look, there's plenty of famous lines that that fly around the commentary box. One of them right up there is "Don't miss." The big number, Rod Harrington's one of his absolute favourites when he is uh, got the microphone uh, in his hand. Uh, and that's exactly what Ross Smith did in that fourth set. He could have walked off that stage a 4-0 winner instead. Nearly 45 minutes later, he is out of the tournament. Yeah, um, I know you put it in the group chat after it happened. I shouted it at the telly as soon as it happened. It You can't miss the big number. It's just... It's, you just can't do it. Not at this, not at this level, because you will get punished, and it's gonna cost you. And I think, to be honest, I, I kind of felt Ross was a little bit lucky to be as, to be three 0 up anyway. I don't think he completely outplayed Dirk early on, but then as soon as Dirk, he just like like he sped up his throw a little bit. He was just a little bit more aggression in the throw, and he he started putting the scoring together then, and sort of comfortably outscored Ross from there on in, who just. We know he can hit a lot of 180s, Ross, anyway. He's a prolific 180 generally, but he just couldn't find them today. I mean, two over the course of seven sets is not what you expect from a player of, of his quality on the treble 20. Um, 
And yeah, I think it was good from Dirk. One thing I did take from Dirk was the fact that he had that moment where he got attacked by the fly or the wasp or whatever it was at that time. And he went and had a little play with the crowd at the back after he kind of got rid of it. And at the time, he went and scored 22 or whatever he scored after after that. Um, it was a bit of a poor visit. And you were kind of thinking, yeah, he shouldn't have got involved with the crowd there. But what, what he said afterwards was the fact that he said, I'm always really pumped up when I play. And he said, when we had the little break while they got rid of the, the fly or the wasp, he said, it calmed me down. He said, I need you to be pumped up again. So that's why I did it. He said, and then I didn't hit a good score, but it just was what it was. And I carried on. <laughs> Fair enough yeah, I wonder it. if uh, a couple of other players later on in the evening were watching that moment and maybe should have learned a thing or two from those actions. But we'll get on to the fourth game of the evening uh, all in good time. Uh, Craig says, hope you're all well, lads. Very well, thank you, buddy. Thank you for joining in. Uh, Marcus says, Smith never recovered from missing that big number. And there's a little bit of discussion in the chat room at the minute about should Wade withdraw? It would be hollow to win the World Championships after being given a bye. Look, these things happen. And if Wadey was to withdraw now, someone else would get a bye, someone else would get a bye, and the entire tournament is in turmoil. Unfortunately, this is the times we live with. It is absolutely not ideal, but the minute that uh, Adam Hunt was already knocked out as well. He's already lost in the tournament, so he can't come back in. Um, we, we see this in all sports, and it, it's never ideal when somebody has to withdraw, um, but the walkover is the only way you can um, push on. Tommy says, uh, put it this way, if we have a few of these COVID results and a big asterisk will be against this tournament, potentially, um, maybe but at the, the same time, maybe in the no. short term, but at the same time, Gezi's win was behind closed doors, and I think that's forgotten very quickly. There's, there's a lot made of him not being announced as a world champion to a crowd for quite a while at the start of the year, but actually it's already going. Price is the best player in the world. He's world number one. He's, he's world champion. It's not he's world champion from behind closed doors. No. I, I get that that lingers over Dimitri and Jose de Salza a little bit as, as players that perhaps weren't really at the back end of majors before a lockdown, but going Price was. He'd been there. He'd won tournaments there. Um, and I, I'm just not sure that that still applies to his world championship. So at that point, I'm not sure why it would apply to this one, unless it happens from the last day onwards. I'm a little bit apprehensive about that, but you'd hope, hope that steps will be taken that after New Year, all the players are, are, are taking it as, as safe and as much as possible. There's, there's big, big money on the line and, and big opportunities. Um, I'm just double checking. They are ready to go. Amazing. Um, as always, folks, those that you or watch the show or listen to us regularly, you'll know that we will try and drop some interview clips into the show for you. We have four ready already and are hopefully going to get Johnny Clayton by the time the show wraps up as well. Uh, the interviews are available in full on our YouTube channel where you are watching this stream right now, but don't leave us just yet. Watch the rest of the show and then go back and watch them uh, as and when you wish. First up is your first winner of the day and the man that spoiled the Smith treble, Dirk van Dijvenbode. Of course. It's the world champion. You want to play him and you want to beat him. Um, obviously, I think he's better than me, but I think the thing I can do, um, let's say, if I show what I can do, I think I'm better. Short and sweet from Dirk, catching me out completely. <laughs> um, this is what happens when we just don't get the clips before the show starts. Thank you very much, PB. Um Interesting words from Dirk. Look, if he, if he plays like he did in the final four sets and he goes at Gerwin Price and, and reacts and plays the way that Kim Hybrex did earlier, just with a little bit more success on the outer ring, on Price's throw, 
Who knows what Dirk can do? He's been deep before. Um, big, big thank you to Mike for a donation comment. He says, your work is unreal. would love to join the team. Mike, we really do appreciate uh, your comment and feedback. Um, we are not taking on at the minute. Um, if we do, though, keep an eye on Twitter and the rest of our social media. Uh, we might have a look again after the World Championships or reset in January. And if there's any spaces, uh, we will advertise via social media. But we really do appreciate you uh, making that donation. Uh, a few more comments. Uh, Wade needs to make the most of it, but I doubt he will. It's a tournament he doesn't like. Completely agree. Uh, we'll get on to Wade again afterwards, though. Let, let's talk about the darts that we're watching at the minute. Um, Rose says DVD needs to step it up big time. A little bit of a flat year, perhaps, in comparison to what we'd expect from him. Um, every dart player says that. Um, and there's talk about uh, do the player, do the fans get a refund after only seeing two out of three games? Today? I think that's not yeah. how it works. Uh, they've seen darts in the session, um, so they will have paid full price. Um, on to game number two, boys. And it was another Smith in action, uh, possibly the most impressive person in round one, Michael Smith against Willie O'Connor. And yet again, Cam Bully Boy looks superb in this one. Not quite the 106 average he produced in round one, but it was a 97 nonetheless, 40% on the doubles, 10 maximums for Bully Boy. He looks so, so good right now. Yeah, he does. He looks really good. Um, he was, like I say, it wasn't quite the 106 of the first round, but it was over 100 for the majority of the game, if I remember rightly, from watching it. Um, so, again, another performance that's going to make him very difficult to beat from anyone. That power scoring, again, 10-180s in there again as well. We've seen big finishes from him, the four-ton pluses as well, which, if you're hitting those and hitting them at the right time, uh, the one of the points with the the tumbles, the first two, he didn't even have to go the the bull route on either of them as well because he was he was a comprehensively outscoring O'Connor at that stage as well, who, who played pretty well himself, and that was kind of the measure for me of how good Bully was with the fact that Willie O'Connor put it to him especially early on as well, and he was and he was he won the first set didn't he, and then so he had opportunities to go further ahead as well, and I think. Even though he was getting outscored, he was he was keeping it on on bully the whole way through. So I thought it was a really impressive performance, probably more impressive than the first round, just in terms of what he had to do to win this one. Yeah, completely agree. And Charlie, uh, look, we say this an awful lot about how styles make matches and and how a fast game will, will suit a lot of players. I think Marcus Smith is one of those that can potentially be upset a little bit by rhythm. Willie O'Connor's not the slowest player in the world, but he is more methodical then Smith and actually I think he handled that pretty well and that's a good sign of where Michael Smith is because if he doesn't get dragged into that if he can still play at his own pace without worrying about his opponent he his mental state just looks so much better than it has done for a long long time yeah and I think he's in a much better place in terms of dealing with his disappointment as well I know he came out in one of the previous tournaments and said that he's been working hard behind the scenes to not shake his head to not um, you know, sort of get, get himself down, and I think that's that's the way he'll have gone in with one nil that one nil down, lost lost three one in the first set. He thought, oh, okay, that's fair enough, but then he reeled off the next. What did he reel off the next three? So he'd, he'd done a job, and he was in a real rhythm. But then credit to Willie O'Connor for then fighting back because he could have easily just gone down four one there, and that would have been it. But he still he still had the fight to to put it back to Smith. Um, but Smith was able to up up and up the gear. He's really impressive. He's been really impressive. And that 10-180s is, is the one that you know stands out for me with the checkouts as well. Um, but I think his mental state is in a much better place now because he's not beating himself up and he's not he's not as di easily disappointed as he usually was where he was getting frustrated with himself. 
Indeed, indeed. We're going to hear from Michael Smith in a minute. I'll just jump into the chat room a little bit. Apparently, I was popping the champagne when James Wade got a pie. Uh, not quite. And then I've just been told by Cam that I'm too tight for champagne. That's why there's a bottle of Moe sat at my house when I get back. Yeah, cheers, lad. Nice <laughs> try. Yeah, I'll have that there for. And it was two weeks. Work sending me. Yeah, work sending me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spoil a good at. Um, on to then, let's hear from Bully Boy Michael Smith in his post match press conference. Oh, I'm not saying no, but I'm not doing nothing. I'm just playing the game. I'll leave all the bar settings to Michael and Gezi and Peter. They can do all the things they want to do. I'm just here to play darts like, like Johnny does. Here. Probably 80% I'm going to play the next game. And I was on a bike today. I mean, that Johnny is proper a model professional. He's won four tournaments this year. He's, he wouldn't tell you he's won four. He's just so quiet, relaxed, gets on with his game. That's how I want to be. I don't want me telling people things what I've done. I just like people watching and seeing from afar that what I'm doing. And going into this tournament, that's what I've been trying to tell myself what to do. Just let other people talk from it. Quite impressed with that from Michael Smith. Not the usual beating of the chest and perhaps throwing the toys at the pram that we saw from him earlier in the year when he wasn't selected for the Premier League. There really does seem to be a level of maturity in Michael Smith right now. Uh, on to match number three and we round out the afternoon session in a game that it wasn't the easiest to watch on the eye at times. It was quite methodical from both players, but Raymond Smith was superb once again. Uh, the guru averaging 94 in this one, just under 40% on his doubles. That 93 to 97 range that, that Smith just seems to sit in constantly, Cam, is really, really dangerous at the minute. It is, yeah. Re just really solid again. Uh, just It's that sort of performance that... If you're not at 100%, he's going to beat you every single time because he just it's a consistent average as well. He's not fluctuating up and down. He's not going through spells where he's averaging 100 and spells where he's averaging 80. He's consistently around that that level. So he's scoring well all the way through and then finishing. It wasn't quite as good today as it was in the first couple of rounds, but still pretty much 40%. It's it's good enough. It's not You're not going to get yourself in too much bother if you're hitting 40% at your doubles. And... Thought it was really impressive. Temple didn't really get into a rhythm at all. Um, it's, it's tough to follow up what he did against Dimi in the last round, isn't it? We've seen it from a couple of players so far in this tournament where they've had big results and played really well and then struggled to follow it up. And at the end of the day, Temple's got a long, long career ahead of him in this in this um, tour. Now he's he's made a good start. Probably more than he could have dreamed of in his first time up there at the Worlds, and I think he'll he'll carry on and and just go from strength to strength as we go along. So I I still think it's a good tournament for him, but Raymond Smith just keeps rolling on. Yeah, I, I think for Hempel that there's a lot of potential in now being German. That German media is absolutely insane. We've seen what it's done to Max Hopp over the last couple of years, Martin Schindler as well, Gabriel Clemens uh, climbing up, and I think perhaps. The hype a little bit. You beat Dimitri. The German press will have gone absolutely mad for it. But Raymond Smith, guys, Marcus is. is <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to bring James Wade into it. But that is the perfect analogy. Raymond yeah. is the Aussie I, James I, I, Wade. I shied away from saying that, but it's what I was. It thinking. is. It is mid nineties average. It is forty percent on the doubles. 
It's solid. It's hard to beat. He's very, very consistent on his own throw. To beat him, you're going to have to be throwing 12 dart legs um, just to take that throw off of him. Then he's going to be there if you miss in your own throw. It's just so difficult to beat, Charlie. Yeah, this was the result I didn't see coming, to be honest. When I was following this game, when I was at the football, I really could not believe that this this was and from the coming the way it was because Raymond Smith has been he's been all right actually. He's he's, he's built into the tournament, which is really nicely. And you know, you don't really play your best game at the start because you know you, you've got to sort of work your way through the tournament and, and build up nicely, which is somewhat the best players do. Raymond Smith is is getting better and better, and he's just been he's just hitting a consistent level. And players just aren't matching it, aren't better in that. And Florian Hempel, he just didn't get, as Cam said, he just didn't get into a rhythm today at all. And, you know, I expected him to get the job done today, but Raymond Smith was the much better player. Might not have been the best on the eye, but he's got the job done and he's sat in the next round already. Yeah, he continues to be the better player as he has been. He's been the underdog three times and he's won three times. A lot of talk right now about him potentially earning a tour card outright. I believe he's two wins away from doing so. Um, he's already said that he doesn't want to go to Q school and he potentially might not even take that card. I suspect that if Kai was ready for Q school as well, they might be able to make that decision as a family and travel together. We've seen uh, how much the two feed off each other in their interviews. Um but that will be a really, really interesting development if Raymond Smith continues uh, to carry on winning games as he is. Uh, and let's hear from him in his post-match press conference. 64 in the world. Yeah, so I'm aware that it's 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 a thing. Not thinking about it. As I said last time, if, if it is going to be a thing, then I'll think about it in February. Again, short but sweet, but it, just saying think, the right thing. It's one win, isn't it? Just potentially. I think one win gets him the tour card. I've only got one screen up. Where are we? He is currently. Taking to 50 grand, on it? It will take him to 50,000 pounds. That would put him up to 61st in the world ranking. Max Hop pretty... in trouble. <laughs> Max Hop is in a lot of trouble. Something we did not think we would see a few years ago. Um, on to what would have been the next game then. Uh, obviously, we went into the evening session with only two games. James Wade, Vincent van der Voort pulling out... Uh, We've spoken about this at the start of the show. Uh, I'm not sure there's any more comments in the chat room for us to go back over this one now. So we're just going to move on to Price versus um, Kim Hybrex in what, I tell you what, game of the tournament so far for me. This was absolutely electric. It had everything. It had a little bit of needle. It had unbelievable checkouts that, cost me a fortune um it just had everything that the two were just feeding off each other um it was a superb game to watch cam it was absolutely brilliant wasn't it i honestly you'd have thought i was in the room the way i was up and down and shouting at the telly and celebrating <laughs> as shots were going in like you were both were both pretty big fans of kim hybrid so there's a lot there's a lot of excitement in that game and um, when you say that the big checkouts cost you the money, in the end, he hit more 180s as well. So yeah, you know, anyway, um, <laughs> so it was it was just magical, wasn't it? I I can't believe that the averages are what they are when you look at them. Like low 90s for both of them, it felt like a lot more than that. Watching it, I think it's when the big checkouts are flying in, and 
yeah, there were a lot of missed doubles in there as well. There was a lot of ropey finishing at times, but that just added to the excitement. And by far the best game we've seen so far and could have gone either way right up until the last leg. Um, I think Kim had his chances in the final set. Um, I, I think it's it was just it's one of those. It, it's not easy to get over the line against against the world number one. And I thought he played fantastically tonight. Though I thought it was he gave Gezi absolutely everything throughout that game and gave it him back when he needed to. And there was there was a bit going on at one point. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but there were there were words exchanged and the ref had to come over and have a word. So. I don't know what exactly went on there, but clearly something went on. And I thought Kim actually held it together really well there because Desi had just won the leg and was one away from from winning that. Um, and they had the little little moment, and Kim came back and went and won that leg quite comfortably, which I thought was said a lot for his mental state up there and the practice he's put in between the first game and this one. And just a really really enjoyable watch, and you you almost feel like. There's an extra spot though where Vinny's dropped out. None of these two really deserve to go out. <laughs> Kim drop in and play James Wade now. Please, how excited would that be? Um, look, I think Charlie that the averages 92-93 is the perfect excuse if you don't need a hundred plus averages to make exciting games. I think you can account for that by the fact that the early sets, when they were won by a player, were one three nil. They were won pretty comfortably, but they hit straight back. They threw everything at their opponent. So they were throwing well. Their opponent dropped off a little bit. It was sort of a case of legs were comfortable. It was only really in that deciding set where they started to put a lot of pressure onto each other's throw. Kim probably more so than Gerwin Price. He had plenty of opportunities to break that Gerwin Price throw in that deciding set. Plenty of moments where he G'd the crowd up, perhaps took his focus away from the dartboard a little bit. We saw that with Dirk earlier on in the evening, and then we saw that from Hybrex following suit and it not coming off for him either. Yeah, I mean... You've just got to see, obviously, at the start, you've you've still got plenty of sets to play with, but when it gets to the nip and tuck of the game and when there's so much on it, the pressure, it I thought Kim Hybrix was gonna was gonna take the game, and I was so certain he was. I was speaking to some of my uni mates and they were saying this game's done now. Hybrix will win this game, and he just didn't quite nail the double when he needed to. And Price hung around, and that's sometimes what what you can tell when 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 a player's in good form because they find ways to win. And he probably shouldn't have won tonight, but he did. And he's still there and he's in the next round. That's just the way that it is. But he stuck around, but I think he just he just about got over the line. Um, you know, there was opportunities when both and the 180 hitting as well, they both went they both went, you know, punch for punch with each other. And it just must be a case of as soon as one of them got away, the other one pulled them back. So it, it was an incredible game. I just wish it could have gone on for even longer. Yeah, it would have been magic to see it much, much longer. I suppose the deciding factor in this one is the number of ton plus checkouts going price, finding five checkouts over the 100 mark, three for uh, Kim Hybrex. Um, absolutely superb battle. There's a lot of talk about um, Gerwin Price finding a way to win. I think that in that deciding set, Kim Hybrex finishing under pressure when he had... He was so relaxed on his own throw, but the minute he knew he was throwing to break Gerwin Price, he just seemed to have this bit of a mental block. And look, we think back to some absolute classic games that Kim Hybrex has been involved in that victory over Marco van Gerwen at the Grand Slam nearly 10 years ago now. He doesn't seem to get over the line in enough of these 
exceptional encounters for him to make that push on to be back in the top 16, the top eight players in the world. He needs to find a way to get over the line in these nip and tuck, highly excitable games. There's, um plenty of players, uh, people in the chat saying, uh, where's the comment gone? Just I was more confident with Price on the big doubles than Hybrex, and that's exactly the point. You just always felt that Price has been there, he's done it under pressure in these situations, and that would get him out of trouble in the end. Yeah, I think with with Hybrex as well, we know he's good on 16s and he's good on 36 as well. Not so good on tops, 10s and 5s, and the big moments on Price he's throwing that final set, seemed to come on he seemed to be leaving himself tops where it was his only option coming in to leave himself the double at that point pretty much and it just left him chasing a double that's not not his favorite and especially when you go inside first one and inside second one it's such a tough switch back up to the five as well at that point yeah um and i think that's one of the things where it maybe just fell on the wrong double for him Potentially. I think, think you might well be right there. Um, before we hear from Gerwin Price, a word on the crowd, I think. We, we've tried to touch on it where we can for the last nine shows. Uh, we've tried to leave it alone unless it really needs addressing, um, but they just don't seem to be getting any better. I think both players were booed on the walk-on. Ger, uh, Kim Hybrex tried to use the crowd to his advantage throughout, geeing them up, uh, trying to get involved a little bit, but some of the songs and the chanting tonight went over the line of, of what's acceptable. Um, the, the, the xenophobia, I, I guess, is the way to describe it, towards Gerwin Price is, is not on. Um, again, we don't have the answers on, on how to address it. Um, the PDC have created this absolute monster. They can't identify the individuals and remove them. Um, there's only really, if players are whistling, if, if crowds are whistling, or shouting on a player's throw that we ever really get a response from the referees or, or the stage officials. Uh, and I think everybody's pretty fed up with it right now. I, I, I'm not 100% all in on some people saying I'm, I'm fed up with a crowd for singing football songs and whatever. I, I just don't get what people think they're going to do at that point. They're the only sport in this country that really translates or, or sings songs is football. It's the only one that's yeah. ever going to translate naturally get the odd song at cricket rugby's pretty quiet other than that you don't really get songs or chants that aren't americanized that that could come into the sport you've lost the likes of phil taylor gary anderson to an extent not all the top players have had the songs and look if the crowd's flat and not doing anything they get moaned at if they sing boring boring tables they get moaned at if they sing stand up if you love the darts or it's old, sing something new. They try and bring in football songs because that's what everybody knows. That's what will reverberate around the arena the quickest. They get moaned at. I, I don't know how they can win because if they sit there like a BDO crowd, they'll get slated. <laughs> it's just a bit of a no win. But the point for tonight is that some of the songs today were over the line in the way that they targeted Gerwin Price. It was xenophobic and there's absolutely no room for them in yeah. darts, which is... An absolute joke. Um, no, I completely agree with you there. And I think, I think, like you say, you can't throw the individuals out for it because, to be honest, it was the entire crowd pretty much for for that game tonight. The only place where I think you probably could have kicked people out for for some of the singing today was while Hempel was playing earlier on, and we had the 
the song that again there's just no need for but that was a very small section it was sat just behind the stage and you could see them they were stood up singing it and there was no one else singing it so i think at that point maybe something could have been done about singing um the songs against the germans but other than that i mean it's just not it's just not acceptable just to to do it and it was pretty much throughout the entire game with bryce tonight and it I don't mind them giving him a bit of stick and booing him. And I think he brings a little bit of that on himself um, when it comes to the booing and, and that side of things, because he does play the play the villain and play the victim with it a little bit. But there's just absolutely no need for any of that tonight. And it's just not not what we want to see, is it? And it's just not it's not right. And I think the, there is no way of stopping that, though. When it's the entire crowd, you cannot kick out the entire crowd. Like, what, what are you going to do? Yeah, completely agree. And obviously, once again, Gerwin Price has been straight onto his Instagram story. A comical response to it, but perhaps one that sends a message that perhaps it's a little bit okay. There's a photo of him in his car with his daughters with their middle fingers up and an emoji of a sheep, which, yes, funny, hilarious, they don't care, but at the same time, possibly sends a message that fans are going to do it again. Um, Not impressed with it. Um, Sky of tried to mute it whenever they've heard it but it's always about three lines into the song before they react to it uh we've had the same with chance towards the uk prime minister boris johnson although i'm pretty sure most of us are all absolutely here for those right now <laughs> um but the but the point still stands it's, it's broadcast in daytime uh, I, was, I listened to talk sport earlier in the week it's even more difficult for them to mute it because they literally just have the background that they're picking up uh from their mics yeah. etc i believe um, so yeah, look, I, I genuinely don't know what the PDC do about it. It's a monster that they have created themselves, and I'm sure after Van der Voort's withdrawal earlier, they've got bigger things to worry about. But it is not really a good look for the sport. Um, let's move on from that. Let's hear then from Gerwin Price in his post-match press conference. And we've got one more game to review this evening, and we will look ahead to tomorrow's action as well. This is Gerwin Price. From the past, uh, we played loads and loads of times, and. Every time we bring this energy, I, I seem to come through on top. So maybe next time when, when he plays me, he won't be so boisterous. Yeah, but knowing that I've come through a game so tight and, you know, with the crowd on my back and Kim playing probably some of the best starts that he, he's played all year and I was under par and to still win, then, yeah, it's a big tap on my back. And, yeah, I got through by the skin of my teeth, but I'm still in. Perfect response from Gezi. As always, much easier to do that when you have come out on top of an absolute ding-dong battle. Uh, final game of the evening and a pretty one-sided affair. This one, Charlie. Johnny Clayton absolutely coasting past Gabriel Clemens. Uh, the big German not getting going at all, averaging just 87. But even if he had got going to the level that we've seen Gabriel Clemens right this season, I don't think it would have been enough. He won just four legs against Johnny Clayton, who averaged 102.56, absolutely blowing away the big German. And he was only, I say only, 37.5% on those doubles as well. That was a, a darting demolition job from Johnny Clayton tonight. Um, I, I know we, or you touched on there that, that Gabriel Clemens couldn't get going, but I don't think he was even allowed to get going, really, was he? Because any opportunity that Clayton got himself, he, he took it. He took any opportunity that he could, and that was really impressive. And he sent a, a serious um, message because he's he sort of just worked his way through the tournament so far, just under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, he got, Johnny goes about his business in a completely different way to other players. He doesn't sort of bang his chest and, and say what he's going to do. He just goes about it in the way that, that I think is the best way for him. But tonight, 
that was that was seriously impressive, and that sent a message out to everybody. Um, not dropping a set, only dropping three, uh, four legs, sorry, in in the whole game, um, and a one or two average is is pretty decent. And to keep it going and to maintain that level um, is seriously impressive. Yeah, Cam. Look, Johnny Clayton is part of the the proclaimed Fab Four this year, but his odds to win this title were still pretty big coming into it. Um, Surely, surely. The man's won four TV tournaments this year. I know his record at Yali Pali is not great. This is his first time into the last 16. But how anybody can deny the form that Johnny Clayton is in? Don't get me wrong, tough part of the draw, tough game up next against Michael Smith. Uh, interesting to hear him talk about them earlier. But this will be a, an absolute belter. And it would not surprise you if, if Johnny Clayton went and did absolute bits here, would it? No, not at all. If he goes and wins this tournament, I would not be shocked in the slightest. And say he's not got the best record here, but one, he's not been this Johnny Clayton before when he's come here. I know he was in decent form last year, but he's not like he is this year. And so for for me, I don't think that's kind of irrelevant about his, his record previously. And your record's only bad here until you go and change it. And he's looking like he's banging a position to go and do that this year. Um just like Michael Smith said about him, he's just a professional. He just goes about his game, gets on with it. There's no messing about. There's no antics. There's nothing. He just just plays his game and plays it to a very high level, which he did today. I, I, I just kind of want to say before we let it go, though, that I was disappointed with Gabriel Clemens, especially in that final set. He looked like he just put his tools down and didn't want to be there, which I know it wouldn't have changed the outcome tonight. Johnny was by far the better player, but averaging 70 in the final set, of a game in the World Championship. When we've seen people come back from 3-0 down, I know it was unlikely the way Johnny was playing, but I thought it was really, really poor the way he just kind of put his tool down and went, oh, just get out of here. Yeah, not not the greatest TV performance once again from Clemens Charlie. Don't get me wrong, he's recorded some decent victories on TV, beating Peter Wright earlier in the year for one of those, but he is another player whose floor form, especially... 12 to 18 months ago was far, far better than what he's showing on that TV at the minute. And another that perhaps the pressure of... It's a bit like Ding Zhongwei in the snooker, the pressure of being the absolute golden child in an emerging market that just adores the sport. Looks like it might be getting to Gabriel Clemens the minute he plays on TV. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, as Cam said there, I was a bit disappointed with with his performance. I thought he would have... Um, maybe not match Johnny Clayton because that would have been very hard to match him, but he still would have been, you know, there to to take the opportunity when he came. But I mean, the averages that Clayton brought out really for for Clemens, he only averaged over a hundred in one of the sets, which you'd expect to do pretty decent in that set, and he only won one leg with Clayton averaging one hundred and fifteen. So it, it's one of them. But as you say, that the form that he's shown on TV isn't, isn't exactly there. Um, but it was just a shame to see him drop off as much as he did in that final set and just completely give up because we've seen in this World Championship more than ever that once a player gets on a roll, they can reel, like Mervyn King did, they can just reel off legs very quickly and it puts the, 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 pre, the Johnny Clayton under pressure. So with him close to getting over the line, a 73 average, that's not going to bother him at all. Yeah. Uh, TV form, not great for Clemens, is very, very good for Johnny Clayton. And this is what he had to say in his post-match press conference. Yeah, hopefully. I'd love, you know, listen, I'd love to be world number one. But I, it's like everybody else. We all chase a dream. And I'm still in this tournament to pick my dream up and I'll be that fourth at the end of it. Johnny, many congratulations. Thank you, Father. 
Sure and sweet. Plenty of those tonight, but congratulations, John and Clayton, into the last 16 for the very first time. Um, a few people saying Fantasy Darts is not loading for them. I haven't looked, but I am concerned that if I try to do so, my internet might not hold up to be host of this video as well. So we'll bring you an update possibly tomorrow, if not the day afterwards, uh, once we've had a chance to get a little bit deeper into this round as well. Um, We'll keep you updated with the OD League. Uh, PB is in the background. Hopefully, he's going to ping me a message telling me what our first prize is, but he hasn't done so yet. We'll work that out, as always. I promise you that is coming to the winner. Uh, a few comments before we look ahead to tomorrow. Rose says, who saw the pick of Johnny working for the council on Xmas Eve? What a guy. I think that's what makes Johnny Clayton so, so special. Um, and then... <laughs> Kevin asked a really interesting question. Do people think the game between the number one seeds first game and second game is too long? Oh, we do. And that is the problem that since the 32 seeded players go straight into the second round, it's a necessary evil. Uh, but you always want uh, that uh, world defending champion opening up on night one. <laughs> I've just seen what you two are You're sniggering at. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, boys. <laughs> Um, with that, let's move on to tomorrow night's action. Uh, I'm just about to get the games up so we can look ahead to them. Uh, and we start tomorrow afternoon, boys, with Steve Lennon against Mervyn King in a very, very open part of the draw. A big opportunity here for one of these players to potentially make a quarter final. I'll start with you, Charlie. Prediction, please. Yeah, a game that's going to be really good. Um, Mervyn King clicked in his last game. Steve Lennon again's really impressed me with with how he's gone so far. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Mervyn King. I think he wins. Yes, I'm gonna go with Adam. There. I think he wins four two. Um, I think just that extra experience that he's got from from being around a little bit longer, um, and you know the consistency that he's got. But this this game could go either way. Um, but I'm gonna go with Mervyn King. Cam, on to you. Um, I fancy the upset here. I'm not I'm really sure why. <laughs> I haven't really got a great deal of basis for why I think I fancy the upset. But I've been impressed with Steve Lennon so far. Mervyn King less so, even though he did sort of turn it on. You know, he was he started poorly in his, in his last game, but then he did turn it on and play a, a lot better towards the end. Um I I think Steve Lennon, the same as Marcus, I think Steve Lennon wins 4-2. Plenty in the chat room. Look, he's, he's not on the wall behind me today. That is a photo of London, perhaps. Um, but what uh, happens when you come home and don't live here for eight years? Um, I am also going to Mervyn King, and I'm going to say a 4-2 victory for Merv also, uh, which means put your house on Steve Lennon if this show's track history has anything to go by. Uh, on to match number two, and it is a game that Ryan Searle asked for after he won his last Game, uh, he takes on Danny Noppert, uh, a man he has not beaten yet. Uh, Cam, starting with you, uh, where are you going with this one? Yeah, I think I think Phil wins this one, and I think he he changes that record and and get gets the win in the game that he asked for in the game that he wanted. Um, he's just playing really, really well right now. He's there's not many playing better than Ryan Searle at the moment, as we saw at the 
play a Champions League finals as well within making the final. I think gets through this 4-2. Charlie, on to you. Yeah, I think Ryan So will win, um, especially in the game that he's asked. I think it maybe goes a little bit closer. I'm going to go 4-3 to Ryan So. Uh, I think Danny Noppert has impressed me recently, but I, I think So will just about get the job done. He's asked for it, and I think his game is, is in a better place right now. Yeah, you'd be a brave man to ask for this game and not come well equipped for it. Um, I think it goes close, but I think Searle just has that extra spark in those moments where he needs it at the minute. Uh, we have seen Danny Noppert go deep in, in TV tournaments, but I'm not sure that run continues. And I think Ryan Searle wins this one for two. Uh, it looks like Colin's gone for three with the shift button locked in. Um Heavy metal, the knot cannot stop, says G's Adventures. Uh, On to the final game of the afternoon session, and this one promises to be played at a good pace. Things we love to see here at Online Darts. Joe Cullen takes on Martin Clearmacher. Cam, I'll start with you. Yeah, this is exactly what we want to see, isn't it? It's going to flow. It's going to, even if they are both average 70, it's going to look like they're averaging 95. It's just it's going to flow nicely. It's going to be a good watch. And I think it's going to suit both of them. I think we'll see an absolute cracker here. But I think that Joe Cullen's just got that slightly higher top level. And I think this is the perfect game for him to find it with how it will flow as well. And I think he probably gets over the line relatively comfortably. I think 4-1. On to you, Charlie. Yeah, I was I was thinking the same. To be honest, I think the diff, there is there's a big difference between the two players, and I just think Martin Klimaker sometimes lets himself down on the outer ring, and that'll probably cost him because you know the, the game will be played at a pace which will suit both players. Um, will be this the game will flow. It will be very quickly done this one, but I think I, I do think the Rockstar will win. I think he'll win four one. Um, and you know, comfortably get through into into the next round. Uh, I I agree with the pace. I'm just not sure it will be that comfortable for Joe Cullen. I think if he doesn't start on his game a hundred percent, there's a chance that you find yourself two sets behind very very quickly when a game is played it that way and, and protecting against that. I'm going to say Cullen wins it, but I think he wins it in a seven setter. I think Joe Cullen gets over the line. For three for me, uh, and that will round off the afternoon session uh, into the evening. And what a session of darts this is. We start with former um, TV title winners between them. Rob Cross takes on Daryl Gurney. Charlie, what a game this could be. Uh, Where are you going with this one? Well, I'm hoping now that we've said that it's going to be a great night of darts, it actually is a great night of darts. Because sometimes, God, when we come on here and say that the next day is going to be amazing, it turns out to be absolutely horrendous. So, this can't not I'm deliver. Not... This cannot not deliver. It, like Tonight's should, session was should. meant to deliver and we got at least one game to do yeah, so. Yeah, Obviously, we lost no, one of those games, but this can't not deliver. I would expect it to. And that first game... Gurney's just starting to get himself into a little bit of form. Um, I think Rob Cross will win, but I think he wins 4-2. Um, I think Gurney takes two sets off him and it's still going to be a battle for Rob Cross. Um, I think there'll be quite a few last leg deciders where it could go either way, but that's set play for you. Um, but I think Rob Cross in the in the key moments will get over the line and I think he wins 4-2. Cam, for you? Yeah, I love how you've just completely ruined tomorrow night now. You've basically done the equivalent of saying... It, it will definitely not be nil-nil this game and it's nailed on to be nothing but that. Um, 
that being said, I, I've got to agree with you. I can't see it being anything other than a cracking session, so I'm going to do it as well. We'll might as well all just ruin it for everyone. And I think this first game is going to be a really good one. Um, recent sort of matches between the pair, Rob Cross has kind of shaded them, and I think he edges the overall between them. Well, so I, I think that continues. I think just recent, last few months, we've seen such an upturn in his form. He's getting back to somewhere near his best. I don't think he's there yet, but he's con consistently sort of improving and getting better as well. I think he wins it 4-2. I don't think it goes quite as close as, as some in the chat are thinking it might, but I think he, he gets on the line relatively comfortably. Seven setter. All day long for me. Seven setter in this one. Darryl Gurney, well, he should have beaten Gerwin Price the year that the man, man went on to win the world title. He loves an absolute dogfight, a scrap, and that is what he will get from Rob Cross. We will see moments where both players produce their A games. There'll be lots and lots of 180s in this one. There'll be the odd moment of tension on uh, the outer ring, and I think Rob Cross will sneak over the line in a seventh set. Uh Penultimate game of the day, match number two in the evening. Uh, the man that was hoping to be world number one by the end of this tournament, but I think those hopes have now gone after Gerwin Price won earlier. He's guaranteed to still be the top dog. Uh, Peter Wright takes on Damon Hetter. Um, Char uh, Cam, I'll come to you first on this one. Where are you going? Um, yeah, I was just checking that. Um, you are absolutely spot on. He is 250 quid ahead, even if he goes out next and... Peter Wright goes on and wins it. So, yeah. yeah um, Imagine one, my surprise, by the way, that we need to back in Damon Hatter. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was just looking in there for it then um, in, in the comments. Um, I don't think that happens. I don't think it even gets close to happening. I think Peter Wright wins this 4-1. I kind of... It's just a little bit failed to be impressed with Damon Hetter a lot of the time. Yes, we know he has got the game where he can fire in the one eights and go off and and do it, but I think too much of the time we don't see that from him, and I don't think you can get away with doing that against Peter Wright, and he'll go on and win this one four one. For you, Charlie. Yeah, I think there will be a difference between the two. I don't think. Um, Hetter will get close. I think in the early stages it it could be pretty pretty nip and tuck between the two, but I think Wright will will edge it, and I think he'll he'll win four two um, in this game. But still a really good game, and and both players will be hopefully at their best. Yeah, as ever, I preempt this snake bite prediction on the assumption that he turns <laughs> up with the gold darts that he won the match play with. If he rocks up with them, I think he wins 4-2. Uh, anything else, he might find himself behind to start with. Uh, but I do still expect a snake bite win in this one. Yeah, exactly that. Right, what darts are you using? Absolutely no idea. One of, uh, G says, one of Peter's 63 sets of darts will be enough. I think it's a little bit more than 63, to be honest, mate. He's got millions, if you've ever seen his man cave. That's just what he's practised with on Christmas Day when he should have been cooking the turkey. Uh, final game of the evening, boys. And if anybody's listened to us throughout the week, I think there's going to be a bit of an upset in this one uh but i'll ask you for your score predictions first uh charlie it is michael van gerwin against chris doby um one for the northeast boys if any of them are watching um <laughs> not on the show so we're all right 
Yeah, Dan's <laughs> in the chat room. Uh, big result for Newcastle earlier this evening. Will they get another tomorrow? Ooh, it's a good question. Um, I'm hoping that he does it for us northeast boys. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm, expecting, I'm, expecting, I'm expecting this to go all the way. I really am. And I think I'm going to go with the upset in this one. I just think when it comes to that that moment, I, I just think MVP <laughs> sometimes tend to crumble on the darts at the double that he needs. So I'm going to go 4-3 um, to Chris Doby. I think Doby pulls out a pretty impress, impressive performance um, and causes an upset. He's stolen my go. Cam? Um, yeah, I don't think there's an upset here whatsoever. Um, first off, obviously... Because Dan's watching, congratulations to Newcastle on winning 1-1 today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> against a very average side. Um, but <laughs> just alienate most of the chat in one go, it's all right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't think this is close at all. And I just don't see that Chris Dobie's not from eight against Van Derwin. And it's, I think it's not from nine tomorrow night. And it's probably pretty easily not from nine as well. I think it's 4-1 to Van Derwin. Stinker of prediction. I've been saying it all week, but saying it given Chris Dobie's form throughout the year. The man absolutely loves a ton average at the minute. Sensational game. And the issue is he's been dragging his opponent up with him uh, every time he seems to have done that so far this year. Look, Chris Dobie was not the best Chris Dobie that we've seen uh, in round two. He played very, he was the last player to enter the tournament. Uh, was 2 down to Rusty Jake, but never really looked in trouble at 2-0 down. He won 3-0. I think we see a different gear from Chris Dobie this time around if he gets out of the blocks early. And in doing so, it's a 4-2 win for Chris Dobie. But obviously, would not be surprised to see Marco Van Gerwen absolutely walk away with this one. Uh, gents, thank you very, very much for joining me this evening uh we'll be back with a fallout bar tomorrow night i say we uh lee boyce will be hosting tomorrow night as i'll be moving house i'm not sure if either of you are on the show i can never find the rotor when i need it it might be luke and scott maybe we've got oh where are we lost it now tomorrow is tuesday isn't it nope nope yeah, yeah it is <laughs> it's juicy tomorrow. Uh, yeah, Charlie and Luke Whitley. Charlie that looks, looks, like a, that looks like a surprise to Charlie, but he'll be back tomorrow <laughs> night oh, with, a, with a proper northeast lad. Luke is on the show. You can, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you can, oh, you can have a conversation about what it's like to be uh, from that part of the UK. Uh, massive thank you to everybody in the chat room tonight. You guys have all been absolutely fantastic. Um, a reminder, a big, th- big thank you to our friends at Boyle Sports for sponsoring all of our World Championship coverage throughout the week. Sam Tizzle has been on absolute fire with his bets for you guys. You can catch them on social media, uh, TikTok and Twitter uh, before the sessions get underway. Um, and don't forget to follow us across all of our social medias. That's Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter and use our website to keep up with all of the latest news Uh, a big thank you to everybody watching and we will see you all tomorrow take care